good evening, good afternoon, everyone. This is obviously Levi Golden joined with AJ Holloway, and today is going to be, um, really last episode was more of an introduction to our podcast, and now we're kicking off what I would say is episode one into the feast, and so we're going to talk briefly about the feast of Israel, and today's episode is really about the Passover. Yeah. And so where we're at right now is, um, just imagine with me as we're trying to depict or trying to uh, display that this is almost a movie. Let's let's imagine ourselves at this moment as we're like Israel. We've been released um, from Egypt. And uh, obviously, AJ, you can stop me at any moment if I'm telling this wrong, but we have been released from Israel. I mean, from Egypt. And now Moses is telling us on day one, um, uh, we're going to meet together and we're going to, uh, this is the Passover, right? Yeah. And so we're just going to get into just the the feast of Israel, um, and today is the Passover. Yeah, I like it, man. Getting that narrative going. Let's making go. It, making it feel like it's an audio book if you're listening to it on a uh, podcast right now. No, that's exactly right. So the Passover, obviously, you know, it's very, very well known story. Now I'm I'm going to challenge that. I will imagine that you know every well-known story is the most dangerous place to start because when we think we know a story is when we just kind of breeze over it in our Bible reading. But I can almost guarantee that there's going to be some things there that maybe you've never seen before, and so we want to kind of do that today. And the reason why we're doing the um, Passover is because it's the first festival, and we'll explain that what feast and festival is in this episode too. But this is. The Mikra, this is where this whole concept of the name of this podcast is beginning is right here. So obviously, if you are a Bible nerd, you know that there are seven festivals and you would be absolutely correct. But those seven festivals are actually nestled within almost like nesting dolls within three. So Passover is at the beginning of the year. Shavuot or Pentecost is at the middle of the year and then tabernacles at the end. And what's cool is inside of the nesting doll of Passover, there are two other festivals, the festival of unleavened bread and then the festival of first fruits for a total of three feasts at the beginning of the year. Now Pentecost stood by itself in the middle. And then at the end of the year, you had tabernacles and inside of that nesting doll was trumpets and the day of atonement for a total of seven Feasts, And these were the convocations, the Mikras. They would come together and they each would celebrate something very important and very, um, very revelatory to the Jewish people. And we're going to start in this episode with Passover. And in the next episodes, we're going to really break down the rest of them because each of these are a, a special convocation or Mikra. So let's read real quick. Uh, let's read Leviticus 23. And I'm going to read verse one, two, three, four, and five. Okay, I'm going to try something uh, new here. Okay, uh, I'm going to see if we can do it. Um, see if you see it on your end too. Um, okay, do I you see, see something happening. Oh my goodness! Look at okay, you. Hey, look at me. I mean, yeah. My God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you're going to read. What what translation are you going to read in? I have. This is NASB. That's good. That's oh, a good. That's um, what I do. Yeah, that's a good dynamic equivalence version. I'm gonna I was reading NKJV, but it's both dynamic equivalent. So let's read that. Okay. It says, the Lord spoke again to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, The Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations. Now, this is really important right here. That's Kodesh Mikra, holy convocation. The word holy is just different. This is not going to be your normal everyday little Sabbath Mikra. Okay. Uh, they would obviously, they would read their, their Bibles on the Sabbath. This is something special. This is not just a Sabbath. This is a different, a Kodesh, a holy convocation. They are my appointed times and they are these for six days work may be done. But on the seventh day, there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the appointed times of the Lord. The word times right there is really important too. It's um, moed, which uh, I'll explain why that's important because that's what's separating 
uh, just a normal day from con or mikra. Mikra is a day, but it's a special day. It's an assembling. And this is the particular day that they're going to assemble on. They are holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. Pesach is the word there. It's really, really important. So let's let's dig into that a little bit. So as really, I mentioned... Really quick, ahead. can I ask you a question? So sure. in the first month and the 14th day, so really this would have been, I mean, in our terms would have been January, January 1st is our first day of the year. But to them, this is on the 14th of January, I'm assuming? This is not January. I mean, this uh, is, yeah. Um, but yeah, it would be our equivalent of uh, January. Yeah. So that is the Hebrew month, uh, Nisan, which would be around March or April, somewhere in that time frame. Right. So the reason why this is so important is the day they were brought out of Egypt. This is a powerful uh, theology right here is the day they were brought out of Egypt. It was that was to be considered the first day of the year for them. The day they were delivered is day one. So now. this is their start over. They this are is their start literally over. starting over. So Moses is saying, I know y'all have been in captivity, Perfectly um, said. but now it is time to start over Yeah, and you have a new future almost like. So now we're going to start our start over is, That's is exactly Passover. Right. That's pretty cool. As the blood was, as was shed and they were spared from death. This is now day one. This is their January forever, forever going forward. And it just so happened at that time of the year fell around the, um, March, April, uh, time of year. So that becomes the beginning of their year. And that's so wow. powerful. You know, that's obviously if you dig into that. You'll, you'll unearth some really cool stuff, which we'll do in, in the future. Yeah. But let's look at, uh, the word for feasts in verse two. It's the uh, Hebrew word moed. This is a, um, a special, it's a, it's a really a day. These are the Lord's pointed times in the NASB. It uses the words uh, times. And I prefer that over what the NKJV says. So the NKJV keeps the, I believe KJV does too, but it keeps the traditional word of feast. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that when we as modern readers see feast, we're not thinking <laughs> of obviously an appointed day, right? We're, we're thinking of Sunday afternoon eating, right? And that's not what is happening there for that word feast. So Moed goes all the way back to Genesis 1.14. Um, you don't have to pull it up, but it's, okay. it says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Well, the Hebrew word translated into English for seasons was Moed there. And that word just means a fixed appointed time. Um, or place when God would meet with his people. This is just, it's, it's a day. It's a special day where God is going to meet with his people. And specifically it was the Sabbath days. And so that's, I, I wanted to draw that distinction because if anybody does a Google search, they're going to see Mikra means a, an assembly uh, or an, a convocation. That's what convocation means is people coming together. And that is partly true, but that's not the full depth of that word. The Bible is making a distinction that the word for seasons or time or feast, that is an appointed day. But a mikra is something beyond an appointed day. Let me, I guess, let me put it this way so where it's clear for somebody. You know, it's kind of like Sunday dinner. That's a special dinner. That's not just, that's not like your Tuesday night dinner, right? Right. Sunday dinner is different because you, it's the weekend. You know, it's a, it's a different dinner. It's. You know, you've had rest throughout the week, but then there's something even more special than a Sunday dinner. There's a Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. This happens once a year. And this is where, you know, you're not just meeting with your immediate family, but extended family as well as all coming together. It's a, it's a, a, kode, a Kodesh. Kodesh. It is a holy meeting. It's a different day. So there is a distinction between just a regular day and then the Mikra. The Mikra was something special. So the real depth of the word Mikra, uh, it means dress rehearsal. It's where this thing that we're doing is going to be like, it's going to be like a movie that we play out every year. That's going to point 
to something better someday. So the Passover, this Passover was a mikra. This was a special day. This was like not just Sunday dinner. This was Thanksgiving dinner. And and with with that, I mean, you're, you're playing on to Thanksgiving dinner. So every year there was like there is for us excitement for Christmas and excitement for Thanksgiving yeah. to go with your family to eat this dinner and stuff. I would assume them going to the Passover. This was an excited time. Oh, man. Um, this was an unbelievable. Yeah. They couldn't wait to get to this point. For sure. This was uh this would have the same feel to it that our uh, Thanksgiving would have. Wow. This would be the equivalent. So a lot of people know, I mean Passover's pretty pretty familiar within right. culture. Um it's it's the memorial to the Hebrews deliverance from Egypt. And this this deliverance happened during that month of March, April, and it was their first encounter with God as his covenant people. Uh, you can read more about that in Exodus chapter 12, 1 through 14 and 43, 48. It's showing that that Passover moment. And so if you aren't really familiar with it, or even if you're really familiar with it, we're going to let's deep dive into it just for a few moments and kind of yeah, kind of extrapolate out what Passover meant to them. Um, if if you're. If you attend TBC, you might get sick of hearing me say this, but the Bible wasn't written to us. Right. It was written for us. So we're going to do that right now. We want to see what this is saying to them, and right. we'll, we'll learn what it's saying for us through it. So as I mentioned, God appointed uh, three feast seasons with seven individual feasts and scheduled them on the Hebrew calendar in such a way that the Jews would have to travel to Jerusalem three times a year to keep these, these festivals. Wow. Uh, these three feasts or moeds, they were known as Passover or Pesach, Pentecost or Shavuot, and Tabernacles or Hebrew word Sukkot. These three things were so powerful because Passover portrayed peace to them. Why peace? Well, you're not a slave in Egypt anymore. And the power of the blood of the lamb delivered you from that. But then Pentecost reveals power. And then tabernacles, Sukkot, it would reveal rest. So these are the three major encounters uh, that they would have with God in the lives of them, them being his covenant people. Now, these encounters with God were for the purpose of providing, like I said, his divine peace, power and rest. Taken together, they represent a total of seven steps that do apply to you and I in our walk with God. And the Feast of Passover was the first of these feasts. It's in um, Exodus 12, verse 1 through 14, that we see every man was to select for his household a lamb without spot or blemish. Then they were to select the lamb on the 10th day of the month. Then they were to observe this lamb for the next five days to make sure there was nothing wrong with the lamb. There could be no fault, you know, spot or blemish found in the lamb. Then on the fifth day, they were to bring that lamb to the doorstep and then kill the lamb. As the lamb was killed, they would catch the blood in a basin at the foot of the doorstep. And then they would sprinkle that blood on both sides of the doorpost and above the doorpost. Mm. Thus, the entire entrance into the house was covered by the blood of this lamb. Now, this was done on the evening of the 14th day. As the Bible mentioned, it was twilight. Now, really important to note, because a lot of people don't know this, is that the um the time or the day that starts over for the jews was 6 p.m so friday night at 6 p.m is giving way to saturday morning for them it's you know ours is at 12 a.m theirs right. happened six hours prior so it's an ancient way of like when the sun was setting that was the beginning of the new day yeah. that kind of thing so they would kill the lamb at twilight and the Hebrews would kill this lamb at three o'clock in the afternoon on the 14th in order to eat the meal by six. Sorry, my email is like outlandishly loud. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, when three o'clock arrived, they slaughtered the lamb and then they applied the blood to the doorpost. The family then entered their house through the blood-stained door. And went, by doing this, they would have peace that they would be protected from a devouring plague of death. This death was given authority to move through the land and to kill the firstborn of everyone who didn't have blood. 
Yeah. Now, according to the instructions, the entire lamb was to be roasted and consumed. Nothing could be left over for the following day. So in preparing the meal, not one bone was allowed to be broken. This instruction required that the lamb would be roasted on a pit uh, that was shaped like a crossbar so that the body could be spread open. Now, as they ate the meal, mind you, in peace in their houses, God would allow death to go through the lamb. Right. As death went through the land, death was seeking to enter every household. However, if death found a house with blood on the on the door, door, death had no power to enter. He had to move on beyond that house. Now, if the entrance had blood, then the judgment or didn't have blood, then the judgment would come upon that household and the firstborn would be taken. This would be the Lord's Passover. So fun little segue right here this is really important this this bothers a lot of people you know firstborn death all of that right but again we're we're trying to learn how to read the bible as a movie so finish the movie don't get mad at the bible yet right the movie's not over you know there's a really good ending coming um but back up god spoke 10 times over a watery chaotic world and he created this creation that we have 10 acts of speaking well, if you study the life of Abraham, when he spends 25 years wandering north and south, when he should have went west, that's a whole, we'll, we'll have a whole discussion on east to west later, but 25 years up and down, he was tested a total of 10 times. The 10th test for Abraham, many of you may have already gone there mentally, the taking of Isaac, uh, the Jews refer to this movie or this episode as the binding of Isaac. It was where a son would be sacrificed. And guess what? He goes up to the mountain and he passes the test and his son is spared because there's a substitute. Ironically, an animal sacrifice on that hill. Well, he passes that. Now, how many times can you recall that Egypt has now been tested? 10 times. And the 10th test is again, the taking of a son. Pharaoh had opportunity. The Egyptians had opportunity. They had 10 opportunities to repent. Wow. Just like Abraham. So we have to remember that God was not in heaven rejoicing over the death of the firstborn. He was not rejoicing over the death of the, or the, the cries of the Egyptians. He was weeping over. I, you saw my long suffering and my kindness by offering you 10 opportunities yeah. And they didn't take it. Pharaoh and the Egyptians, their sons would have been spared if they would have applied the blood. But we see that the blood was what prevented death from entering. So that's just a little segue there so that, you know, people, I'm going to turn this email off. No, that's okay. It's okay. So that people, you know, don't get aggravated with, with God as this right. cruel, mean God. And he gave, he gave, he gave him 10 tons. Yeah, and he showed him the same luxury that he showed, you know, Abraham, the apple of his eye. Now, again, this is really important because this is where I mentioned at the beginning of this, this episode is that we can read something and hear something so often that the danger of that is now we know everything about it. Let's hear something new. Yeah. But Passover, traditionally, uh, we, we kind of like our brains fill in gaps so we hear the name Passover and we apply it to the death angel passing over the house. And that's where we think the story is really getting its name of Passover. However, the main character of this episode is not death. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, the movie's named after the main character. And yeah. Death is not the main character. No. So who are the main characters? It's the covenantal people. Here in this point, the Hebrews, they can't be called Israelites right now. That's why I'm calling them Hebrews. They're not in, you know, they're not in um, Israel. You know, yeah. they are Israelites through Jacob, but yeah, we don't have Israel yet. So the Hebrews are here and they are in these bloodstained homes. But the, the main story is it's them and their covenant with God. So Passover or Pesach. It means to come under the protection of a deity 
by crossing over, jumping over, stepping over, leaping over something. In this case, the threshold. Now, it's, it's important to understand also that humankind's earliest primitive altars to the one true God as well as false gods was the threshold or entrance of the home. The threshold altar was the place where people made their sacrifice to their gods. And the purpose was to request protection from the family deity, as well as inviting that deity into their house. So when people dedicated their house to their God, they did so by making a sacrifice at that threshold. And since wow. the people were making a sacred blood covenant with their God, they were careful to step over or pass over the threshold yeah. because if they were to trample underfoot the blood, that was equivalent to showing contempt or rejection of the covenant. After passing over that threshold, they would then invite the deity into their house to be their protector or provider. So the most common, as I said, understanding of Passover has come to, down to us through the centuries that it's because death passed over. However, that's not the biblical understanding. The biblical understanding is a lot more powerful. When the people applied the blood to that threshold and doorway, they were inviting God, their one true God, to pass over or cross over the threshold as protector against death. So in a sense, God stood at the door when death showed up. Yeah. <laughs> and when death came knocking on the door, God opens up and he's like, this house is taken. Right. And death didn't want to contend with one more powerful than him. So death went on. Right. When death found a house where there wasn't a man stronger, he entered in and judgment came. Mm. So to pass over this blood was to enter a covenant. Now, it's of absolute importance um, to understand that God instructed that no uncircumcised person could later partake of the Passover meal or celebrate the feast according to Exodus twelve forty eight. Why? Well, the, signif the significance of the um, circumcision was that it was an outward evidence that the person was in covenant with God. This is crucial that we understand uh, Exodus 12, 48. Yeah. It says, a foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Wow. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. Now, obviously, this is under this old covenant. We'll explore later the new covenant. But at this right. point, there was an outward sign that declared, I am in covenant. So this is really important because it wasn't just the application of the blood. There was also the need of an outward sign to accompany it. Yeah. This is crucial we can then properly interpret the new covenant of Jesus through this lens because he didn't come to destroy. He came to fulfill all of this. Right. And as you know, now in this um, new covenant, we're circumcised, but mm. through our hearts. Wow. And there's still an outward sign. Yeah. That's crucial. You can't, you, you're not going to erase this out of scripture. Jesus came to fulfill every jot, every tittle. It's all going to be, fulfilled. So let's move on. Now, this covenant um, would be a powerful agreement between two parties. Later on, uh, when the temple was constructed in Jerusalem, instead of killing a lamb at the doorpost, the people would bring the lamb to Jerusalem and kill them at the temple. Now, we kind of hit on this already, but they looked forward to this every year. And like I said, imagine Thanksgiving, you know, we, we look forward to this. It's not just the weekend, man. It's like a whole week off from work and we're, we're going to be playing board games. We're going to be hanging out with family. We're going to see our extended families. And it's just, you know, our Thanksgiving, we all get together on my wife's side and we play risk. You know, it's a, like my favorite board game in the world. Cause I'm a strategist, <laughs> you know, just, we look forward to just like spreading out the whole table. And then you go and you, you know, they leave it all day and you just, they put, you know, stuff over it. And so we'll just walk by in the afternoon and we'll just be like making us another plate of food and we're playing board games and just laughing and cutting up. And I always tell every year, man, this is 
like take all this in this Thanksgiving dinner. This is what the wedding supper of the lamb is going to be like. It's not, yeah. it's the extended family, man. We're going to be with people who are missionaries in Indonesia and we're going to be with people who were missionaries in the Ukraine and we're all going to be hugging and we're going to be sitting at that meal in heaven. You know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a joyous day. That's, that's the final trek home. So this is how it was for them. It was a uh, y'all excuse Alexa was <laughs> talking behind me, but they would, um, they would travel every year. Now by centralizing this, it wasn't at a home. It was now at a temple. They would have to travel. And for some people, depending on where you lived in that time and age, you had to travel quite a distance. And this began a pilgrimage. Now, these pilgrims came in caravans, sometimes numbering hundreds, sometimes even thousands. These were people of a certain tribe coming to Jerusalem. It's so like, man, I want to paint the picture for you because this is yeah, how go ahead. they would. These caravans would have leaders and the leaders would wake the travelers up each morning with a loud wake up call. The loud, the loud wake up call would be Jeremiah 31, six, arise, let us go to Zion, to the Lord, our God. Wow. Everybody would get up and they would be, it was just, it was just amazing. You know, it's the journey to the, the motherland yeah, the journey home where the presence of God was going to be. And we were going to, we were going to watch the movie and play out this recital by doing the Mikra of the Passover lamb. And it means so much more than just killing an animal. This was the day we had peace. This was the day we could finally recline at table and eat a meal and not be slaves. This was the ultimate rest. And it was just, it was amazing for them. And it was attached to salvation. It was attached to joy. And these leaders would just cry out, arise, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord, our God. And those who lived in Jerusalem, those that didn't travel, they were the city dwellers, if you will. They would busy themselves with preparation. They're preparing the city for the extended family to come home. And they're doing all the work to make sure, you know, there's plenty of, um, in fact, just a little nitty gritty, the priesthood would go out and they would clear the roads, make sure that the roads were clearly marked. They would also mark uh, the tombs because if you touch a dead body, you were ineligible. You couldn't participate in the Passover. And so could you imagine making all of this long journey and then touching a dead body and not getting to participate in it. So that would be devastating. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, it kind of reminds me, you keep using the analogy of um, Thanksgiving, but depending on how far they lived, um, they had different traditions. They had different ways of getting there. So it's almost, yeah. it kind of reminds me of, um, well, if depends on where you're listening, but here in Louisiana, we have Louisiana camp. And so it almost reminds me that every year we're coming together students to meet this one week oh, for that's camp. Great. And so depending on where you live, if you live down South, New Orleans, Bogalusa, wherever it might be, if you live in Shreveport, Louisiana, what uh, Bossier city depends, depending on if that's you live so in good. Alexandria, I mean, you had to travel, you have to travel at those points at different times, but there's an excitement because you know, when you get to Louisiana camp and you get to that town, tabernacle. Um, this is a time that you're meeting your friends, you're seeing your brothers and sisters in faith. You're, wow. And then you can, it's almost like you can even smell the tabernacle. You can, Bro. you, it's so it's the like dorms, the dorms, you can, there's an excitement, but it doesn't matter that you're standing in a dorm for a week. It doesn't matter that you won't get sleep is that, you know, that when you get there, there's, you're going to feel the presence of God and there's an excitement wow. around that. So it kind of reminds me of that. Put it in that perspective is that these people are traveling, they're getting to this yeah. point in, and then there's people before them. There's the priests and they're, they're, they're laying out the groundwork. They're, they're making sure the lawn's mowed. They're making sure before everyone Man, gets that's such there, a good example. before everyone gets there, that they're praying in the tabernacle. They're, they're making sure that it is set up to when everyone arrives, it's going to be a great time. I've never, um, I've never used camp and you're, man, that's so true. Cause I was the kid. I was, man, I was the camp kid. I couldn't wait for camp every year, small yeah. church, you know, I was the only young person. And so I, that meant I got to go hang out with all the yeah. kids I got to see on the, the Sabbaths, the youth rallies. I got to <laughs> see them for a whole week. You know, it was yeah. a little feast. The youth rallies were leading up to the big feast. Right. And so if, if camp isn't a cultural thing, I know in California camps, like not a big thing over there. Yeah. A good example, it would be youth Congress. I mean, right. just extend that like the, Youth rally, youth service is every Wednesday right. or Tuesday, whenever your midweek is. Then youth rallies is a special youth youth night. 
Yeah. Then there's youth camp once a year, but then there's youth Congress yeah. it's every two years. It's like, it's I the next deal. Yeah. It's all just, if you're listening and you understand these things, and if you're a guest and you've never been a part of uh denominal movement with these type of uh, examples that we're using, it's just, these are all Mikras. They're all preparations that is supposed to get us in alignment with what heaven's going to be. Wow. That's the main point. Yeah. I love that example. The, um, the worship that would take place during the pilgrimage was so profound. It was beautiful. They would, they would uh, reach a peak in their singing and they would hit, uh, they would, they would sing throughout the pilgrimage Psalms 113 through 118. And they're, they're singing these songs as they're marching towards Jerusalem, getting ready for the Passover. And when it would reach its pinnacle, they would get to Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. made. <laughs> we'll rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, bro. This day, this is the day. This what day? This is the day. The Passover day. The wow. beginning of our year. This is the beginning of something This new. is the beginning. And so I want, I hope somebody really gets an appreciation for the day you got baptized in Jesus' name and got yeah. filled with the Holy Ghost. There has to be a time in our lives where we just stop and say that was December 6, 1996. That was the day. That was the day the blood was put over A.J. Holloway in baptismal tank. That was the day that the Lord made. And I, we have to stop and we have to rejoice and be glad in that. That was the day I was delivered from Egypt. We cannot stop this, this movie night. We have to replay these episodes. That's why... This is why we're so passionate about this Mikra project. We want to have a re-Bible. Yeah. <laughs> this salvation is not old news, man. It is still the good news, and I want to rejoice in it. I want to be glad in it. That's so good. Man, yeah, This every time I read this stuff, like, I'm trying to hold it together here on mm -hmm. this podcast, but if I just like start weeping, that's what the Bible does to me, man. It's like the movie. It's so good. It's amazing. It is, bro. Like, you can't, you can't make this up. Wait till we see the fulfillment of it. We're going to do that in the second half of this podcast. Yeah. Now, as time went on, uh, it became more difficult for the pilgrims to bring their sacrifices. They would travel with a lamb. Yeah. Each a lamb for the household. Well, as time kind of evolved, that got difficult, as you can imagine, as Israel is growing, the family's getting larger. So what would happen uh, is to solve this, you know, they had an administrative meeting and the the Levitical priesthood decided, let's raise the lambs here in Jerusalem for the Passover so that when the pilgrims arrive, they can each get a lamb that we've been raising. In fact, um, Josephus, the Jewish historian, he estimated that there was some 250,000 Passover lambs killed in the first century, just in the first century. So this was the job that would... Uh, this was added to the clearing out the roads, the marking of the tombs. They would also prepare throughout the year, the sacrificial lambs. This became this whole season. We've just uh, articulated. It would become the sacred assembly, AKA the Moed where they would go. And on that week, they would Mikra. Mm. They would recite all of this. Obviously, they've been delivered from Egypt. Why are they still doing it? This shall be a holy convocation to you throughout your generations. Keep watching this episode. Play this episode over and over. And remember, Mikra is a rehearsal. Rehearse this year after year after year on your Sabbaths when it's not a holy convocation, just your normal convocations, your Sabbath on Saturday. Someone grab a scroll from your, your Bible. And this would have been the, uh, the first testament for them. They would be reading uh, the Mikra. They would be having a Mikra. They would be reading, watching an episode of the Bible. All of this to prepare their minds for something. And so imagine you're a Jew. What are we preparing our minds for? Well, the prophets would come along and the prophets would start telling us about another lamb. Yahweh. It'd be Yahweh himself coming down from heaven to be our lamb. He mm -hmm. would be a human sacrifice. This, this lamb they would call him the Mashiach, the Messiah. That word just means anointed one. Mm. Now, Messiah and Christ are both the exact same word. Christ is the Greek transliterated version from Christos. It means the exact same thing as Messiah. Messiah it comes from Mashiach. It just means anointed. 
It is the one who the oil was poured upon to be anointed to be king. This um, Messiah just is the allusion to uh, inaugurating someone as king by pouring the oil on. This prophet would talk about a king that would come and do something that Israel has not seen a king do yet. Uh, they've not had really good luck with kings. Yeah. And now they're talking about a king that will come and die who will take care of sin and death once and for all. So you can imagine, man, you can't wait to have that King, especially after you've had some Ahabs, you know, you've had some really, you've had a rough go with some Kings. And then we hear the prophecies telling us a King's coming to take care of sin and death once and for all. Wow. Isaiah describes very uh, gruesome about how this servant would come and be brutally beaten on our behalf. And when the time came, the Bible said when the fullness of time had come, God himself passed over time and space and he entered our world. He entered our home. Right. You, you realize like that's the, the powerful implication is he crossed over his threshold of heaven into the threshold of our home that he made for us, earth. Right. And when he crossed over into it, he um, he began the process that has been outlined throughout the entire Moed and Mikra of Passover. There would be one last prophet that would declare him who represented the the old covenant. John the Baptist stands as the the bookend of the last old covenant prophet before the new covenant prophets would come onto the scene. And this, he even wore the hairy garment, the uh, same thing that Elijah wore. He's the last one from that old covenant. He is the mile marker of this is where the old covenant ends. We're entering into a new one now. And this is what he tells all of us in John 1, 36. Behold the lamb of God. That meant a whole lot more to Jews who, since they were babies, have been making a pilgrimage for the most joyous time of the year to Jerusalem to sacrifice the lamb. Yeah. For John to say, the yeah. lamb's here. Yeah. That hits much different for them than it does us. Right. Then Jesus perfectly fulfills Passover with his crucifixion. As the Jews had been watching this movie all their lives, all they had to do was look at Jesus and see, that's the episode that all these other, this is the grand finale. This is the season premiere. That yeah. This is final season. Yeah. All of those episodes that we've been rehearsing, we, I'll use, you know, mikra as a verb that we've been mikrahing. Yeah. <laughs> this is leading to this season finale. Jesus was the season finale of the, the episode of Passover. There's no more, there's no more Passover after Jesus. Yeah. We're not looking for another Messiah. We're not looking for another lamb. That's the end of the episode. All we're doing is repeating now, like the Jews did, the Passover of Jesus as the sacrificial lamb. That wow. episode still plays. It plays every single day as someone is baptized in Jesus' name and is filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Holy Ghost would be the circumcision. It's the outward sign. And baptism would be the blood of the lamb as it was applied. And so this happens, we're repeating it, but there is no other episode. We're not, we're not looking, we're looking for trumpets, which we'll get into that later, but Passover has been fulfilled. Yeah, it is. It is finished. So fulfill is really, man, it doesn't hit the same for us. Fulfill means, um, you know, like Amazon fulfilled my package delivery, right? It's done. We move on. Right. Fulfill means he's going to live out. Mm. Jesus was like, hey, guys, you know that episode you guys have been watching for the past 1500 years? The episode of Passover, you know that episode? You should know it really well by now. You know that yeah. one where you inspect the lamb, you kill the lamb, you know, the blood of the lamb, that whole thing. You know how you invite the deity into the house and the deity keeps death from knocking on the door? I'm going to live that out. Wow. All of that, all of those episodes were pointing at me. Yeah. 
And so you can imagine and you can read that with humility and realize that, man, that's a tough pill to swallow. Right. You know, this guy from Nazareth is showing up as carpenter's son. He's a simple, lowly man like me. You know, he's not really anything special. This guy's telling us that he's the one the prophets have been talking about. Yeah. He don't look like a whole lot. Well, right. neither did David. <laughs> yeah. So here's what's profound. In the New Testament, we learned that it was the 10th day of the month of Nisan when Jesus entered Jerusalem to be set aside as the human lamb. In John chapter 12, verse 1, we read that Jesus came to the town of Bethany six days before the Passover. I just want us to stop and appreciate how strategic, if Jesus isn't God, yeah, this dude is on another level of making the elements work in his favor so that it all lines up perfectly. Okay. Just, I'm going to set that up right there. If yeah. Jesus isn't God, you have to acknowledge that that dude, Jesus was on another level of strategist of a yeah. strategist. Okay. Because he comes into town, the town of Bethany, six days before the Passover. And John writes, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came into Bethany. That's John 12, 1. Now, since Passover was celebrated on the 14th, this would mean that Jesus came to Bethany on the 9th. John then gives us further information to show us that Jesus entered Jerusalem on the 10th. He says, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast. What feast? It's the feast of Passover. Go down to verse 12. Okay, I'm here. There we go. It says, then the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So then they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're crying to him the songs that they would have been crying to Yahweh. Now they're wow. crying it to Jesus. To Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Which irritates the Pharisees. Right. John informs us that it was the next day when Jesus rode in Jerusalem and was greeted by the cheering crowds. And since Jesus was in Bethany on the ninth, the next day would be the 10th. So Jesus entered Jerusalem to be set aside as the human lamb of God on the exact date that God had told the Jewish people 15 years prior to set aside their lambs back in Egypt. Jesus was living out. He was fulfilling in himself yeah. the reality of the feast of Passover. So Jesus enters Jerusalem to be set aside as the human lamb of God. And when he does, he doesn't stop there. But now he's going to be interrogated by the priest. Okay. Yeah, He's inspected. They're inspecting the lamb. <laughs> to make sure That's he's spotless. The, yeah. They're, while all the Jews are out crying yeah <laughs> while they're doing their convocation they're playing out the movie by inspecting their lambs and they're going through each hair now back up remember that uh jerusalem decided it would be a good idea to start raising lambs yeah well now they're so corrupt that they're charging people 100 percent taxes on the passover lamb so poor people couldn't even afford to have their sins removed mm-hmm and so that's now we understand Jesus's zeal for flipping over the tables. And he's like, I desire mercy, yeah. not sacrifice. These precious people can't even afford to have their sins removed. And so we can take it to the bank that if Jesus is that zealous about the house being his house, being a house of prayer and not a house of thieves, then we can be sure that he's not going to charge us for the cross. There will be gift. no taxes on the cross. No. It's going to be 100% free to us, but it's going to be costly for him. Mm. The reason why it was costly for him was because he wanted to, and Paul said it, he took our debts and nailed them to the cross. He paid it off. Like You see like the cultural implication of a bunch of Jewish people couldn't afford to, to purchase a lamb. Yeah. And then Paul said, but for us, by for him us. becoming the lamb, he nails our debts to the cross the debt of sin he paid it he paid it off yeah why he desires mercy well the bible says he's rich in mercy 
So as he's being observed and tested for five days by the religious leaders, they question his authority. And you can see that in Matthew chapter 21, uh, verse 23 through 27. So they would ask him trick questions, hoping he would somehow give a wrong answer that they could use against him. Uh, they did everything they could to point an accusing finger at him. They wanted to discredit him somehow so that he would not be an acceptable sacrifice. But Jesus always responded to them perfectly. They could find nothing wrong with him. No There's this powerful moment where they, they put him to oath. Now, this is a Jewish custom. When they put someone to oath, what you're doing is you're saying, tell me the truth. You're under oath. It's kind of like when we go into a court of law and we put our hand over the Bible and we raise our we put our left hand on, we raise our right hand, and, and we swear by oath to tell the truth. Yeah. That was the equivalent. So they put Jesus to oath, and they're like, who are you? And Jesus tells them that he's the son of, son of man. He's the son of God. And he tears his clothes, the high priest does. And he's like, what more proof do we need? Like, we have, every, we have all the evidence we need to kill him. He's insane. He yeah. is claiming to be equal to God. He's claiming to be God. So Jesus did that under oath. Now the penalty of lying under oath is death is murder. <laughs> so Jesus is uh, trying to remember the theologian who said this. Someone's going to listen to this and know who it was. Uh, he said that either Jesus is either a lunatic. Um, he's lying, a lunatic or he is what he says he was. I butchered that. He said it way better than I did. But that was where they ended. They're like, the man's crazy. There's no way he is who he says he is. So he's obviously lying. We now have right to kill him. Well, to be the spotless lamb, he had to have been telling the truth. So we can take it to the bank, Jesus' identity. He said it out of his own mouth. Yeah. Finally, Pilate says in John 19, 4, I find no fault in him. He's spotless. Now, this all happened in the five-day period from the 10th to the 14th when the Jews were checking the lambs for their sacrifice. Finally, Jesus is crucified on the 14th. He was not only crucified on the same day the lambs were killed, but at the same time of day. <laughs> Again, how could, how could he do this? Once he's turned over to the Romans, he has no control of the hour. You, like, this is prophecy perfectly happening. He was crucified at the exact same time of the day. Now, with this many lambs, um, it was necessary for the Jews to prepare them for sacrifice at 9 o'clock in the morning on the 14th. They then killed them at 3 o'clock that afternoon so that the Passover could be completed before 6 o'clock, which was the next day. Right. This would... Um, be the exact hour when the Jews were preparing their lambs for sacrifice. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, John or Mark tells us in Mark 15, 25, now it was the third hour that they crucified him. Jesus is on that cross at the exact moment that every Jewish household was putting a lamb on that little pit and was spreading it open. Bro, that's, that messes with me every time yeah. I read it that every house or every Jew was at the temple and they were looking at their household lamb being sacrificed to atone their sins. All they had to do was look at Golgotha and see, we've been watching this episode for 1500 years. There's the season finale. They missed it. They missed the, the Passover lamb by fulfilling tradition. By fulfilling tradition. Yeah. So yeah, that's the biggest question. How did they miss it? Fulfilling tradition. <laughs> it was no longer, it no longer held the weight for them that it should have held. This was all to be expecting a perfect lamb to remove our sins. They had the prophets. They knew their law. They knew their traditions. They didn't know their prophets. They've had a bad history of killing their prophets. And the prophets pointed the prophet in their hour. Like we can't even... You can't even make an excuse for them. They're like, well, that's an old, the prophets were old and maybe they forgot to read it. They had a prophet named John who said, behold the lamb. They had it as recent as three years. And there is the lamb. 
All they had to do was stop and reconcile. Okay, John said he was the lamb. This man is forgiving us of our sins. This man has flipped over the tables and driven out the money changers and told them to stop charging 100% taxes for the lamb. That man is now hanging on the cross at the exact same hour as I was killing a lamb. There should have been a conversion, which I believe, I believe that this was the 120. There was some who were like, no, I see it. So it was like they worshiped tradition. They were more worried about tradition than they were truth. Yes. Just, so they got caught up in their traditions and then they weren't really just kind of going on with life. I mean, yeah. that speaks to us today, doesn't it? Oh, man. Yeah. You know, we're, we are in the same boat. We can miss the return mm. by fulfilling our customs. And our traditions. This, this idea of mikra of converging together and watching the episode of the Bible play out, man, that is not old news. It's not to be just trifled with and taken lightly. When we come together as a body of believers on midweeks and on Sundays and on podcasts, we are to be as passionate in this moment. We're preparing, like for me, bro, this is a passionate thing. For us in the Holloway home, when we eat a meal, we're very intentional. Kids, this is preparation for the wedding supper. Mm. This meal right here that we're eating, this isn't just another meal to just satisfy our hungers. This is a meal that's preparing us for that day when we're all going to go home during Thanksgiving. I tell my kids, I'm like, Hey guys, this is gonna be a fun time with family. We're gonna play board games. You know what? This is a little, a little movie of we're playing out what it's going to be like in heaven wow. where all the family comes together. We can't forget that stuff. And just go through the motions of, of church. We've got to keep these things revived in our minds. And the only way to do it is coming together like this, like you and I are doing, and talking about the Bible. It's reminding us. That's that's why in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses told him, I don't remember the number of times, but you can go read how many times he says, never forget, never forget, never forget, never forget. The point of their Bible and the closing sermon that Moses would preach in Deuteronomy was when you go into that promised land. And you get all of the things God has promised you. Don't forget these feasts. Don't forget Egypt. Don't forget the manna. We're supposed to replay these things. Now, remember they would mark the tombs because if you touch a dead body um, or touch a tomb, you couldn't participate in Passover. Now go and look at Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph traveled almost 27 miles to be at Jerusalem for the feast and three hours before Passover, before the final day, he touches the dead body of Jesus. In fact, the book of Luke says they craved the body of Christ. Now, this is really this convicts me every time I read it, especially when you understand Paul's um, teaching on the body of Christ many members in particular, they were craving a body that had no benefit for them. Jesus, you understand, is not preaching sermons to them. Jesus isn't patting them on the back. Jesus is dead. He has already given up the ghost. By all um, appearances, Jesus is gone. How in the world did a priest and a rich man desire to crave and by doing so, Joseph made that trek for no reason in their culture. Like Joseph would have been, you know, looked at as like, you fool, you, you came all this way. That would be like, that's literally, it's literal, the literal equivalent of going all the way to youth Congress. Imagine you're coming from Canada all the way to youth Congress and you get there and you, you get deathly sick and you can't go to any of the services, but you did it on purpose. You went around people that you knew were sick to go and serve them, to go and take care of them. And then some of us would be like, you dummy, why would you do that? You know, like now you can't be in any of the services. Joseph and Nicodemus had a higher revelation. I want the body of Christ, even if there's no benefit in it for me. He is our Passover. We yeah. believe he's the Passover. I don't have to participate in the, the actual feast. That man is who I want. All of that was fulfilled in Jesus. That's the movie of Passover. And if you watch the movie of Passover, if you read the Bible as a narrative and you read the Bible as a movie, it all points to one central character. And guess what? That central character is not death. 
Yeah. Death was the um, antithesis. He was the antagonist. Jesus is the protagonist. We're just the extras on set. I mean, let's face it. We're, we're just there. <laughs> but this is Jesus going toe-to-toe with death. And when he went down to death, went down to the grave, death looked and saw one stronger. And death took his hands off for good. And now because there's the lambs could only remove sin for a year, Jesus has done it for good. And so guess what you and I get through the washing of water, through his blood, through the infilling of his spirit of circumcision, we get peace. Mm. Death doesn't hold us either now. Yeah. Because when death comes knocking on this house, the house of AJ, yeah. the house of Levi, yeah. death will look and say, there's one in there stronger. You've come into covenant. You have come under the blood. And the deity has come into the house. And so death cannot contend with. I love what T.W. Barnes wrote one time. He wrote in the book. Um, he said, there's no devil that wants to get inside of this vessel. Because if he does, he'll have to look at God. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the Holy Ghost filled believer. And in that, we have this great assurance. But yeah, that's the uh, that's the micra of Passover. That's the micra of Passover. That's the and episode. So it's like you said. Um, so just in this episode to end it in Deuteronomy, like you said, that Moses kept saying, "Remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God." Yes. And so with with um, when when COVID happened and the churches had to shut down and stuff, uh, and maybe your church didn't, but other churches, you know, they did their own own thing with that. But that kind of flipped the script for me and my, my, my mind is when I go to church, like you said, the midweek, and when I go to church on Sunday, I have a new perspective now. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I thank good. God. I remember, I remember the Lord, our God, and I say, this is the day the Lord has made. And thank you, Jesus, that I, I am able to congregate and worship you with my church family. I don't ever want to go back to where I can't go to my tabernacle with my church family and worship God. And so, um, on this podcast, like this, this, this episode is, um, we need to stop and remember the Lord, our God, and thank him for all the things that he has done and has given us and thank Jesus for dying on the cross for us to where we're not, hopefully we're not bound by tradition, but we are seeking truth and um, we're, we are remembering him and dying on the cross for our salvation. Yeah, man. That's so well said. Um, yeah. COVID really, you're right. This is a whole new appreciation, man. It, it changes my perspective of, I don't ever want to be stuck in the tradition of just coming to church and going through the motion. And so as you were talking through this, it just kind of clicked in my head. It's just reminding me, we can't take church services, Bible studies, small groups for no. granted. We need to have our own McCraw moments. We need yeah. to remember God and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for letting me sit one-on-one with this person and tell them about you. Thank you, God, for my my brothers and sisters that I get to go to church with and my youth group and my, my church family and um, so I don't ever want to take that for granted and I don't want to be stuck in tradition. Um, yeah, like they were at this time and they, they could have looked at Jesus. Um, but I'm hopefully anybody listening to this, or if you're watching this, um, maybe you don't know much about Jesus. Hey, direct message us message. Yeah. Us. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus and, and what he means to us and how he died on the cross for us. Yeah. And if you're in another state, we have a huge directory of churches. We could reach out and give you a list of places that we know of. And yeah. we would love to do that. But I'll, I would love to challenge anyone who's listening now that you've seen this little episode. And there's thousands of episodes that are all that are all leading up to a grand finale, which is Jesus. But now that you've seen this episode, here's yeah. what I want to challenge somebody to do. When you get in your car and you're headed to church, a Bible study, whatever the case may be, just why don't you go ahead and just sing the psalm? Yeah. You know, let's sing that psalm of I will rejoice and be glad. Mm-hmm. You know, let's you're going to be in community with a bunch of people that are striving to live for God. And let's not take this for granted. Rejoice in your salvation. When you pray tonight, today, whenever you listen to this tomorrow man, thank, spend time just thanking him for being the lamb. Yeah. And really 
have a revival personally of the blood that was shed and the cost for him so that it could be free for us and just don't ever ever take that for granted and we'll um we'll look at the next festival still within passover a first fruits and un- our unleavened bread and first fruits we'll look at those things in the next episode but yeah hope hope that you enjoyed this episode of passover and of Nikra. yeah and sit down and go go watch the episode for yourself um, yeah go read your bibles yeah go read your bibles yeah again <laughs> thank you so much for listening watching um if you would do us a favor it helps us out a lot comment tell us what you liked about this um episode or or what you found interesting um share this and uh let's spread the spread the news of the mccraw podcast um and again like brother aj said go ahead and say it again go read your bibles go read your bibles we'll see you in the next one Take care.